0: I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central Show brought to you today by MTN Business. Now, we've got a special guest in the studio today. Advocate Pansy Klakula is head of South Africa's Information Regulator, the entity responsible for enforcing the Protection of Personal Information Act, or papaya. Advocate Klakula, is it papaya or papaya? PAPIRA. Papir, Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure how to pronounce that. (laughs) Papir, Then we'll try and get that right during our discussion today. But welcome. Thanks for making the time and thanks for coming into our studio.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us. How long have you
0: been uh, heading up the uh, information regulator for now?
1: We were appointed on the 1st of December 2016. So that makes it uh, seven years?
0: Seven years already. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, But the genesis for for this regulator actually goes a lot further back. it, it goes back to the creation or enactment of the personal, uh, the Protection of Personal Information Act. Uh, the, the, this entity was established, as I understand it, under that legislation. Yes. Tell um, me a little bit about that process. Um, it seems to have taken quite a long time from the creation of the legislation to the creation of the regulator and then the capacitation of the regulator. Maybe just take us through the past 10 years and what it is you've been through and, in, in the processes of st- setting up this regulator and where you are today.
1: Yeah, I think the law was adopted in 2013. Mm. And not much happened between 2013 and 2016. I think in 2015 then the portfolio committee on justice and correctional services of uh, the National Assembly Okay. They then uh issued an advert calling for nominations for members of um the information regulator. And uh, a shortlist was done, and Mm -hmm. a number of us were shortlisted and interviewed. And uh, after the portfolio committee interviewed us, uh, it had to take the names of five Mm -hmm. recommended candidates to the National Assembly Mm -hmm. for a vote. Uh, And it's a simple majority vote. And after that, the names then were submitted to the president of the country, who then had to appoint the five members and designate the chairperson. Mm-hmm. So all that happened in 2016. And uh, we then had our letters of appointment to begin a five-year mm. uh, contract or, or tenure from the 1st of uh, December 2016 to the 30th of November 2021 okay
2: yeah
0: why did it take 3 years from the from the legislation to the creation of the regulator
1: i have no idea really no one informed me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> except when i saw the advert in the newspaper and uh, i was encouraged to be nominated and the the reason for that really was not a popier. The reason for that was uh, the fact that for the 12 years where I was a member of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights, Mm -hmm. I was also its special rapporteur on freedom of expression and access to information. Ah. So the regulator has a, a dual mandate. It is the protection of personal information and access to information known as paia you mm-hmm. know so because of the work that i had done on the continent on access to information then uh, that was the basis on which i was encouraged to put my name forward okay
0: okay i forget about that second component yes. of the information regulators remit so if if i wanted a piece of government information that that a government department isn't supplying to me, but but, but which I believe should be a public document. I can then approach the information regulator and petition for access to that information? No, you
1: don't come to us first. You go to the department and you put a request for access to the director general, Mm -hmm. who is the information officer. And then if um, you're not successful, you appeal to the minister.
0: Uh If
1: you are still not successful, then you come to the information regulator to lodge a complaint.
0: How many such complaints have you received? Oh, lots. Um,
1: uh, But not as many as uh, POPIA. I think we have over 300 uh, PIA complaints Mm -hmm. um, compared to more than 600 uh, POPIA complaints.
0: And how quickly do you deal with those
1: complaints? Well, it takes sometimes, it depends on the complexity of a complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, we could, for instance, uh, because we also have the power to settle complaints through mediation. Okay. So if it's a straightforward complaint, for instance, if it's a proper complaint and uh, you complain that uh, you were a customer of a particular company and after you left, uh, that company as a client or a customer they did not delete your personal information. Right. We will then call the company. I mean we'll do the formalities of writing a letter and mm-hmm. so on. But we will then, you know, have a conversation with a company to say, are you will you delete the names of this former customer of yours? And right. if they say yes and then they sign you know, a mediation agreement, and that's the end of the matter. So those kinds of, if they say no, which is not often, Mm -hmm. then the complaint will go through a full investigation. A full investigation of a complaint can take up to three months, depending Mm -hmm. on what it is, because complaints that relate to data bridges tend to take a, a, a bit long because we then have to, not only investigate the violations of uh, of the law, but we also have to bring in IT experts mm-hmm. to look at the IT systems to determine what uh, the the reason or the cause of the data was.
0: I was going to ask if you have the capacity in house to do these sort of investigations, because in in the case of these data breaches, and I'm imagining you're going to need you need some very specialised technical skills. People are able to actually analyze how attackers entered into systems. And these these are, are fairly rare and probably quite expensive skills. Do you have any of those skills internally or do you always have to contract out for them?
1: At the moment, for the data bridges that we have investigated that have all gone public, such as DISCAM, yes, such as um, DOJ and others that are in the pipeline, TransUnion, we used internal capacity.
0: Okay. Okay, that's good to hear yeah. okay, so you're able to find the skills you need, and you you have the budget you need to be uh, able the to The
1: budget them. is a problem mm-hmm. uh, because we're a startup right you know, and you asked about where we come from i mean in twenty sixteen when we were appointed uh, there were five of us uh, three of us, including myself, were full time mm-hmm. and two part time members, and we met at a boardroom of the Department of Justice. Okay, because we did not have offices. We had nothing except copies of Popia. <laughs> and we met and we were supposed to establish this organization and we looked at each other to say, what is it that we're supposed to do? Where are we supposed to start? Mm. Because all of us uh, were lawyers and with no organizational development background, I had some because I was one of the original members of the south african human rights commission in 1995 okay we started that commission but i was led at that time by professor bani pichane who was Mm -hmm. the the chair of uh, a commission i was one of the commissioners but this time around i had to lead the team to establish the information regulator Mm -hmm. which we did um and i mean we did everything ourselves The organizational development stuff, we did it ourselves. We did benchmarking in Canada, in Germany, in the UK. It's the organizations that have a dual mandate like us. We sat and went through thousands of applications Mm -hmm. for the CEO and uh, the executives. So we basically established this organization from scratch Mm -hmm. and also coming up with the logo, commissioning someone to come up with a logo. So right. I look back in seven years, and we have almost 100 staff members. And wow. We have an organization that is fairly known in the country. Lots of work still has to be done, but also quite recognized yeah. internationally as well.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so your um, budget is that entirely an allocation from the DOJ, or do you uh, receive revenue from other sources? For example, yeah. you find the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development over a ransomware attack. Do you get to keep that money, or does that go into no. the national fiscus?
1: It's go- it goes to the national fiscus. We're having a conversation with National Treasury
0: mm-hmm.
1: about that, and our budget doesn't uh, come from the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. Justice is a conduit. Okay. Yeah.
0: So it's an allocation from Treasury. The
1: the reason is that uh, when we started, I mean, uh, justice started us up and they helped us to establish the regulator. And there is a perception out there that we're part of justice. And when we find them, so say, I the remember first... <laughs> someone saying to me, How do you bite the hand that feeds you? I said, No, that hand doesn't feed me. <laughs> I'm fed by treasure.
0: DJ, can't have been too happy about this fine, though, after <laughs> so you worked with them so closely to establish the original. Yeah,
1: but that goes to, and it was quite interesting that I was uh, speaking at a webinar two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, by it was organised by the AU and African Union and the the United Nations on internet governance, mm-hmm. and that issue came because someone says you know when we talk about uh, independence of um, these kinds of institutions, I think the South African uh, uh, Information Regulator you know showed that independence mm. by fining an organization or a department that helped it to to establish
0: itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, t- take me through wh- what's involved in chairing an information regulator. What does your day-to-day look like? <laughs> Who are you meeting daily and uh, <laughs> what decisions are you making daily? And
1: You know, because POPIA in particular, it's a new piece of legislation and there aren't any experts Mm-hmm. I think the experts that you find are probably the f- the three of us or four members that uh, three of us who started in 2016. So, and the people that we, we have employed, they come into the organization also not having any popular experience. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of guidance that we need to give, but there is also a lot of debates that we have to have on the interpretation of paper. So if for instance we come up with a guidance note on anything mm-hmm. to guide um responsible parties which are companies, public and private bodies, once it is drafted we have to sit down as members led by myself with the executive who drafted to then look at whether that uh, guidance note you know is in compliance with the law. There are certain responsibilities that we have not delegated at all. To the executives, like approving a code of conduct, mm-hmm. because a, a, a profession, a vocation, an industry can adopt a code of conduct, like the Banking Association of South Africa,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the uh, Credit Bureau Association. They applied for a code of conduct, and we then the the the, the division will then draft. Mm-hmm a report on whether the code meets all the requirements of the legislation or not but the d- the decision either to to grant or to reject that code mm-hmm. lies with the members led by myself like mm-hmm. now we have just uh, looked at the code of um the uh, the direct marketing association of south africa which is a big one on direct marketing mm-hmm. as you know with unsolicited uh, uh, messages that people get spam calls i get exactly. 10 of them a day exactly so we we looked at that and we 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 did not uh, we did not we we rejected the application we we sent it back to say oh. the application does not uh, meet
0: or comply with the requirements in popia interesting interesting well, while while you touching on the topic of spam calls and yes. i know i'm not the only one that, that is irritated by this literally yes. this morning before we did, did this interview i've had six or seven calls from some spammer called Press play now. It's an automated system. Yes. You pick it up, and it's and no matter how many times I use Truecaller to block if them, they find a way through. through again. Is there something the Information Regulator can do to stop this, these robocalls? calls?
1: Let me tell you uh, the the act uh, the, that one uh, the automated caller machine mm. it constitutes um, unsolicited electronic communication. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge that we have, especially calls that are not automated, is on the definition of an electronic communication Mm -hmm. in Popia, which says it's a a message that is stored in the network until it is retrieved by the owner. So the big question, and the jury is still out on that, to say these calls that we get, not the automated ones, do they constitute... an electronic communication or not? Some people say no because it's a it's a call right. that you receive. It's not stored, then it's not electronic communication. Some people who are IT they say these days all the calls are are, are stored. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a lawyer. I don't know, but what we are doing at the moment, I think the that uh, draft code of the uh, the Direct Marketing Association, you know, gave gave us the impetus. Mm-hmm to draft a guidance note okay. on, on direct marketing. But w- what we have been doing to date is to kind of settle the complaints easily, but we have now decided that we just need to take one of those and investigated to the end. Okay. And we have potential violators that we are looking oh, at. <laughs> good. <laughs> yes.
0: Because uh, if we can end these robocalls, I'll be very, very, very yeah. happy. Do you think there needs to be a, a change to the legislation to make it clearer so that the regulator can go after these spammers? Yeah,
1: probably. Quite a number of things in that legislation has to – we okay. have to look at them. I mean, also – if you look at uh, um, our the, the GDPR, for instance, and the law in the UK, a telephone call is is regarded as unsolicited electronic communication. So we might need, depending on how the courts, because I suspect this matter on what constitutes an electronic communication, it might end up in court. Yes. So depending on what the court mm-hmm. rules, we may need to to amend the co- the, the right. law. And the other part is that our law is quite cumbersome. Mm. The GDPR in, the, in, in, in Europe and the Data Protection Act in the UK, once they investigate you and they find that you have violated the act, they fine you immediately. Mm. With us, after we have uh, found that you violated the act, we issue an enforcement notice in which we direct you to correct your mm-hmm. wrongs mm-hmm. and within a period that will have given you only if you fail to do that, will we then issue an infringement notice to fine you or if you so elect to prosecute.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about the practicalities of this legislation and enforcement actions by the regulator. Um, we know that data breaches are a big problem and seem to be getting worse. Uh, uh, certainly, we're seeing more and more incidents, incidents, incidents in the, reported in the media. I don't know if that's because of the requirement for disclosure or because because there is an, an explosion in cybersecurity incidents. But let's say I'm the big, I'm the CEO of a JC listed company. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't matter who I am. Maybe I'm the Director General of a government mm-hmm. department. Mm-hmm. My department gets hacked. My clients or citizens' data is stolen in that incident. It's it's obviously often a very difficult time for companies because they don't know exactly what to do. Some companies perhaps have got practice books and, and yes. have a way of dealing with this. And I suppose a lot of companies are looking at this specifically. But what what is the general rule? What would you suggest to that CEO of that JSC-listed company who's just been hacked, who's had a million customers' data impacted by this um, should he come to the information regulator first? What what's the what's what is the best practice here?
1: The law says they have to inform us mm-hmm. once they have been breached. Um any breach. Any breach. It doesn't matter whether the breach involves a million people or it it involves one
0: person. Okay. As long as it's customer data involved. As
1: long as it's a it's 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 a data, personal information of a responsible, of, of a data subject. Yeah. That's what we, you have to inform us. Failure to inform us. It's a criminal offense.
0: Okay. And uh, companies of any size are required? Any, you, everyone, Even a startup, It one doesn't man
1: matter. Okay. There is no threshold. In some jurisdictions, you find that uh, there is a threshold in the law to say that uh, if a data breach has affected so many data. Yeah. A subject, then you have to re- to to report with us. There's no there's no threshold. That's mm-hmm. why you fight. Excuse me. At the moment, we're running from the beginning of the year at more than a thousand reports of yeah, data breaches. Yes, over a thousand data over breaches. Over
0: a thousand
1: of private and public companies that have
0: reported to us their wow. data breach. Yeah, data breaches. Um, and when did they, this requirement come in for reporting? It's been there it's all the time. It's been
1: there since the beginning.
0: So that's yeah. the beginning of this year. What, what no, was the? F-
1: no, it's been there since twenty.
0: No, no, the thousand. The figure of a thousand the thousands is that's now. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What, yeah. what
0: was the number last year?
1: I I don't have the okay. figure, but it must have been over six hundred. There's a lot. I mean, so,
0: but it is accelerating. I'm
1: just saying that we are sitting dark for as a country for mm. data breaches, and i Why is that?
0: I I. I I don't know. Geo- Maybe. Is geopolitical issues? Nation state actors involved?
1: Whether the, they, they, I mean, we have passed a cyber crime law yeah. because we don't investigate criminality. Okay. We investigate compliance with POPIA when you've suffered a data breach. Our job is to check whether you had Adequate, reasonable right. security measures in place to protect the the, the, the personal information. That's what mm-hmm. we do. But if there's an element of criminality, the police have to do that.
0: So, do you report it to the police, or does the company do that?
1: The, the company has to report to the yeah. police because the company has to inform us, but they also have to end. They Care also summer. have to form inform the data subjects.
0: Ah oh, right
1: they can only delay informing the data subjects if there is a police in, you know if they've reported the matter oh. to the police and the police say so you know you know just uh, uh, don't don't report yet so but we haven't followed with the police i do know that i think it was transunion mm mm-hmm. That data breach, there was... It
0: had a ransomware attack.
1: There was a ransomware. There was someone who was imperson- who impersonated somebody mm. very famous. And I think that person was arrested. That I saw in the media that uh, he was arrested. But I'm not
0: sure how far
1: the criminal... It was in, in Brazil is.
0: or something, if I recall.
1: No. Was
0: it? was it local? I forget the details.
1: I don't know whether mm-hmm. it was TransUnion or it was Experian. It was probably Experian. Okay. Because TransUnion, you know, I thought it was the Brazilians. I think it was Experian. With the Experian, it was the South African. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's been arrested, and I know he appeared in court, but I don't, I forget the status.
0: These credit bureaus sit with a lot of detailed yeah. information about South African consumers. Yeah. Does there need to be more enforcement on those companies particularly?
1: Think? I think so. I think so. I mean we we are finalizing that tr- we have finalized in fact we just have to consider it the TransUnion data breach mm-hmm. which was actually quite interesting because I knew about it because a journalist called me and said that my information was in part of uh, the data that <laughs> right. was uh, yeah yeah yeah. Okay. And um, I found that actually they had uh, my old details, except the registration of my car. That one they had it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was quite scary mm.
0: actually. And the criminals can use that for nefarious purposes. Exactly,
1: attack you, Attacks, target you. Yeah, and, and even in this country, identity fraud—it's mm. a—it's a big thing. Mm. Yeah.
0: So, how do you get tougher on credit unions, credit bureaus?
1: I mean, with the Experian one, we couldn't do much because that data breach happened before our powers, enforcement powers, okay. came into uh, effect.
0: And you can't do it retrospectively?
1: We can't do it. The Act does not apply retrospectively. The TransUnion one, as I said, I, I, I don't know because the assessment has been completed, done by our, the division, the prepared. Mm. Now, that assessment report has to come to us. And we're considering that next week. Okay. And we'll see. At at the moment, I don't know what what the assessment report Mm -hmm. says because how the system is, if if there's an assessment or an investigation, it is done by the division, Mm -hmm. the administration. And then if it's an investigation, they then take the report of the investigation to the enforcement committee, which is a committee made up of outsiders is chaired by advocate for she's a senior counsel, and it has other external members and one member of the regulator the enforcement committee will then look at consider the report of um the the division Mm -hmm. of the administration and then make a finding and recommend it and make a recommendation to us members on the action to be taken so that's how the system works even Mm -hmm. an assessment an assessment does not go to the enforcement committee. The division will conduct an assessment and the assessment report comes to the members for a decision. So because of that, there is a very strict division of of responsibilities for the purpose of fair administrative mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. We can't be all things to all people. Yeah. So as I sit here as a member, I don't know what the report of... Uh, Trans, of TransUnion says right. I'll only know When we consider it okay. next week
0: If companies are not happy with the decisions Taken by the information regulator do they have full Powers to take it the matter on review the at- court
1: What is interesting mm. in Popia the act does not talk About review it Talks yeah. about appeal
0: What is the Significance so,
1: of that? You see the a review you looked at You look at a procedural fairness right. Whether the process was fair you know, when you do a review, but the act uses the word appeal, which mm-hmm. means appeal, You it, it's also the merits Yes, that you go into. The first case that we're going to test this in court is DOJ, Department of Justice, because we just received the papers today. Okay. To say they're challenging our decision. They oh, wow. call it a review. Yes. But the law talks about appeal. mm mm-hmm. So we'll see how this will play out in
0: court. Okay, so some yeah. legal precedent could yes, actually get set here. exactly. Interesting, interesting. We must follow up on that story. Um, I wanted to ask about the DOJ, actually, and what the current situation is there. Uh, when you imposed that fine on them, which I think was five million rand, yeah, there was some com- commentary, and, and I'm keen to get your reaction to this, because um, it seems like fair criticism to me. You here have a government regulator imposing a multi-million rand fine on a government department, which presumably is going to pay that fine if it agrees to pay it through tax using taxpayers money money collected from the taxpayer and given to the department of justice through national treasury um is this optimal um you know should a should a government regulator be be imposing a fine that's going to be paid at the end of the day by with taxpayers money and does the department of justice actually learn anything through this process if it's not if the people involved are not feeling it personally in their own pockets
1: well, that's the scheme of of the law, and unfortunately, that's how it is when it comes to these kinds of things. If you find yeah. against a a government department, the is only it, is way it for on consumers though, on citizens, well, the only way in which you can we can avoid that because we are a creature of of of, of, of statute. Mm-hmm. we we do what the law says we must do. The only way that we can avoid that is if a department. Mm. Elects not to pay a fine,, yeah. but to be prosecuted. And it's an election that lies with the, with, with the department. Okay. or not only the department or private or public body, anyone that we, 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 we issue an infringement mm-hmm. notice against, they have that choice. They might say they may say, no, I'm not paying I, I elect okay. to go the criminal
0: which party. is what they're doing. Well, they, they're electing to fight in court.
1: No, they, they they are not fighting. the. I mean, they did not elect to be criminally prosecuted. See, right. They are challenging.
0: challenging the
1: decision to yeah. fine them.
0: Understood. Yes. Understood, which is quite a different thing. Okay. Okay. So we, we, which court does that go, get heard in, by the way? It's the high, high court. court. The high court. Yeah. Okay. And then presumably the South African legal system will apply if they don't feel the high court... Um, was fair. They can go to the Supreme Court and beyond that to the Constitutional
1: Court. Yeah, they can, depending on whether there's a constitutional issue. I mean, they can't yeah. just uh, take up, go to the constitutional issue unless they, they raise a constitutional yeah. matter.
0: Presumably, the, the Information Regulator is going to want to pick these fights quite carefully as well, because you don't have an unlimited budget. You can't hire an unlimited number of lawyers to fight these cases.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we're not taking anyone to court. I mm. mean, we we've got you are two being taken. Pe- yeah. pending. We are being taken. Mm the first one that came it's it's a, it's an interesting one it's a pay one actually okay uh, it is payment it is information relating to payment of royalties oh yes to musicians and uh, the that's that what the complaint was about to say this company that collected uh, royalties mm-hmm. had to disclose information on the the royalties that were paid okay uh, and uh, we investigated the case and uh, we then found that, in fact, they it, it, the, the case went through the enforcement committee. Mm-hmm. And the enforcement committee then said, indeed, this information has to be made available.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that company is challenging.
0: No, interesting. That decision. So court. court papers have been filed. Yeah, yeah, that
1: one is, yeah. Okay. It's, that's, it's an interesting one. It will see how, because, I mean, the issue of payment of royalties, as mm. you know, it's a big issue in mm. this country, not only here, where artists, you know, die um, very poor as paupers. Yes. So we felt that we, we it was a case that we're very passionate about because we felt that if if that information was to be disclosed, mm. It will change the lives of many
0: people. Yeah, yeah. What's the status with the discam investigation?
1: It's gone, done. It's Dusted. done. So, uh, so all sorted. All sorted. In fact, two days ago they said they they are complying. Okay. At first they said, well, they had some issues.
0: They weren't very happy initially. I remember they were
1: not happy, mm. but uh, they've now come back and they've complied with all our okay our recommendations. So everything's fine there. Everything okay. is fine with discam. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good. 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 Um, There was a report in the Sunday World newspaper a couple of days ago. I don't know if you saw it. um, I saw it. About the state security agency being attacked. Yeah. Um, uh, we've spoken to a number of uh, people in government, um, including the spokesman for um, the minister in the presidency, Kumbuza Encheveni, who has mm-hmm. oversight of the yeah. SSA, and um, they said that this didn't, simply didn't happen. What, what is the status? Have you looked into this at all? No.
1: Um, mm. Well, we are looking at two, because we can also do an own initiative investigation or own initiative right. assessment when we've, we, we read about that. So, there are two that we are looking at. It's the, the Department of Defense, remember? Yes. And then we're also going to be looking at this SSA. At the SSA. SSA. So yeah.
0: you think there's something to it? We don't know. Don't know yet. We okay. don't know yet. Remind me what happened at the Department of Defense? What was the story there?
1: It was also a hacking. Hacking as well. Yeah. Okay. It's, they suffered a security breach. But, you know, there's also a misconception. People think that if if information was released negligently by one of the staff members or if it was stolen, that's mm. not a data breach. Mm-hmm. It is a data breach mm-hmm. for as long as you don't have adequate and reasonable security measures to protect the information mm. against unauthorized access. Unauthorized. Then it's a data breach. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? These things still happen though. You could have a rogue employee, you- puts a USB stick into a laptop and copies document. Um, so sometimes there, almost, there is almost no way of actually t- stopping these things from happening. Is there? Is the regulator lenient towards companies no. that... No,
1: because it's a data breach. Even if, if they've if,
0: shown that they had all the systems in place that should have prevented it from happening.
1: I mean, if you had all systems in place yeah. to say we have taken all measures, but mm. they still it still happened. We haven't come across anyone who has suffered a data breach. Okay, where we felt that their systems were good in order and, and, okay. ad- and adequate. No.
0: Okay, all right. Okay, I'm interested to see what comes out of this SSA investigation. It's yes. an really interesting one to see. Um, actually, on on the topic of the public sector, it was the Transnet uh, ransomware attack, which I think was last year, maybe in the year before. Uh, I don't know if um, that was before you. were It was before our, our our powers so came it into, was, we, I was Yeah, ask we, about we saw that, that one. But yeah. there seems to be a, a lot of um, uh, attacks on government entities on on the public on public sector institutions. Yes. How much of a concern is this to the information regulator, and is there anything the regulator can can do in terms of helping government protect its systems better?
1: You know, it is a concern because if we compare, you know, the private sector and the public sector, not mm-hmm. only insofar as data breaches are concerned, generally in terms of compliance with POPIA, we find that the private sector actually, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are more eager okay. to comply. They take compliance quite seriously. I guess because non-compliance does not only have reputational risk for them, but it hits their bottom line Mm. as well. And the reputational risk also is not only confined to South Africa. I mean, if you do business out of the borders of this country Mm. and you have suffered a a data breach, that will not look good. Because we're dealing with a digital economy. Mm. That's where we are. Companies don't want their names in headlines. Exactly. So that is why I think companies take this more seriously, compliance yeah. with POPIA more seriously than... than the
0: how, do you, how do you get government to take it just as seriously as the private sector? How do we do it? How do you get the government to take compliance as seriously as companies do?
1: You know, we, we, we have decided to to do roadshows that will target government. Mm-hmm. We, we are doing a lot for government. I mean, like Sasa, for instance, yeah. is one of those government entities that are so consistent mm-hmm. with requests for training they they we do training for them in all provinces you know they, that's the one government department or unit of the government that mm-hmm. is very serious about compliance you find some here and there you know requesting us but what we need to do is to just you know spread the message and because i don't even think at local government level I'm, nobody knows anything about our ex. local government you seems know, to have we bigger need to challenges probably <laughs> target salga you know mm-hmm. the the south african local government association and also the the provincial governments as
0: mm-hmm. well yeah. okay okay last week you announced that you are establishing a unit to investigate cybersecurity incidents um just tell us a bit about what that unit's going to look like yep. how big is it going to be what's it going to do
1: it's, it's it's a security compromise unit because of the number of data bridges that we have. If we we just wanted to have a unit yeah. that will just concentrate on uh, the security okay. compromises to fast track those that we, we need to close without further ado, right. you know, there are those uh and also to identify those that uh, you know, we need to, to investigate, to mm-hmm. have a full investigation. So that's what the unit is doing because, as I'm indicating, we have very, very large number of complaints on POPIA. Mm. And on top of that, you have all these data bridges. Because mm. if we don't have a specialized unit, people, companies or private and public bodies who have suffered a bridge will inform us. Yeah. And after that, after informing us, what do we do with that? Something has to happen after they have informed us. So that's what that unit is concentrating on. Okay. Yeah. It has at the moment, I don't know, for now it has four people. I don't know. I can't quite, but I know there's a head of that unit. And, okay. And, and we're still recruiting, mm-hmm. particularly the people responsible for IT in that unit.
0: Just lastly, I wanted to ask you about how you work with other regulators. You mentioned that you uh, traveled um to To other jurisdictions yeah. that you mentioned, the US, um, to to learn from how they established yeah. their information regulators. Uh, do you continue to work with those regulator okay. closely with those regulators at the moment? And how do you work with other regulators in South Africa, like the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, for example, yeah. in in the work that you do? Do you work closely with ICASA, with the Competition Commission, and others? Competition Commission, we have a memorandum
1: of understanding, but there there hasn't been much okay. that we've done with them. The, excuse me, the National Consumer Commission, that's another I'd one. i have forgotten about that. Yes, because the direct marketing uh, issue affects them because their act says they can create a register. They call it a preemptive block of consumers who do not want to be contacted.
0: Uh, yes, I know about that list, yes.
1: Yes, and our issue is whether that list is compliant with POPIA or not
0: the list is the list
1: because okay. for them people who say they don't want to be contacted for yeah. marketing purposes are in that in that list mm-hmm. our question is what about those who are not in that list can they be contacted and the law says if you're not a customer no. for direct marketing through electronic communication unsolicited you have to give consent mm-hmm. And consent is specific, is voluntary expression of will. So it cannot be that because you are in a list that says you are not in a list uh, of people who do not want to be contacted. You can therefore be contacted without uh, your your consent. So that's where we we are with the National Consumer uh, Commission because they they wrote to us to say they're now approaching the minister. Mm -hmm. Uh, to bring that regulation into effect the okay. regulation that entitles them to do that preemptive block so interesting internationally because we we are responsible for paia as well mm. access to information so internationally on the african continent we have established the african network of information commissions mm-hmm. And we are the chair. We chair that African network. How
0: many other African countries have established information type regulators? Uh,
1: 15. 15.
0: And we have 27 that
1: have laws okay. altogether. But out of the 27, uh, 18, I think, around don't have uh, oversight bodies. All right. So on the African continent, we chair the, the body. Internationally, it's called the International Conference of Information Commissioners. We sit on the executive We've just been re-elected actually in the Philippines in June to the executive of, and that's on the access side. On the uh, uh, privacy side, it's called Global Privacy uh, Assembly. Mm -hmm. There is the African um, part of it, which is called the Network of African Data Protection Authorities. We are members of that. It's not as strong, it's limping a little bit. Okay. And then on the global side is called the Global Privacy Assembly. We are members of the previous, uh, global, assemb- global Privacy Assembly. We are also active members of the working group mm-hmm. in that looks at privacy as a human rights because I'm very passionate about human rights. And that's what I say, that we are a human rights organization. Mm-hmm. There is a very close co- collab- uh, co- uh, link between the right to privacy, human dignity, freedom of expression, and access to mm-hmm. information. So we're on that uh, working group. In fact, next week, Friday, I'm leaving for Bermuda mm-hmm. to attend uh, the the meeting of the Global Privacy Assembly, which is normally a big meeting, which has about 1,000 people. We have put our hand up to being the executive of that uh, Global Privacy okay. Assembly, because the voice of... Africa in that assembly is very muted Mm -hmm. and uh, we want to raise that voice that is why we are not even joining virtually we want to be there Mm -hmm. because we are a candidate of course we have
0: stiff competition but we'll see how it goes I can think of a worse place to go for a conference than Bermuda.
1: <laughs> Never been. I don't have you been. I Never. don't even know how it looks like.
0: It's in the Caribbean, a, I think. No, it's not Caribbean. No, it's not in the Caribbean. No, it's
1: an island. People think it's part of the Caribbean. Well, it's not. It's not. Okay. Uh, because it must be very close also to the US because to fly. From Atlanta to Bermuda, is two hours. Oh, right. But so you're off the coast it's, of Florida. It I'll is go look. definitely not part of the Caribbean.
0: I will go and look at Google Maps straight yeah, after this interview. Yeah. Advocate Pansy Klakula is Chairperson of the Information Regulator. Thank you so much for making the time and sharing fascinating insights with our audience here at Tech Central. Thank you.
1: Think, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having us.
0: Much appreciated. <laughs>